Welcome back to the SQ Sports Pod number seven. I am Shane here. Uh, we're going to recap the weekend NFL college football action. A lot to talk about and news that just broke. Uh, Amari Cooper, Patrick Peterson trade rumors and trades that have gone through. We'll get into those, dissect that. Uh, yeah, just going to be me on the pod. Uh, if you listen to the one we dropped on Thursday, which is me and Q talking, that'll be an NBA pod we do once a week that'll come later on in the week. Still trying to figure out all the kinks, but Monday, you'll always have this NFL college football weekend recap, little World Series talk at the end. Let's get into it. What is going on on this beautiful Monday or Tuesday whenever you are listening to this or Wednesday, whatever, whenever you listen to this. It's a beautiful day outside. Great day to recap the NFL and college football. Uh, first, I want to start with something that just happened in the NFL landscape. Amari Cooper, Raiders wide receiver, was traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a first-round draft pick. Um, let's start from the Cowboys' perspective on this. Josh Gordon was just traded for a fifth-round draft pick. And yeah, I know Josh Gordon and Amari Cooper, besides on-field talent, are fairly not really comparable. Their situations aren't the same at all. How are you going to give up a first-rounder for Amari Cooper? How are you going to give up a first-rounder for this guy? He's on the last year of his rookie deal. The Raiders are only paying him 400000 this year. So the Raiders basically had three and a half seasons of Amari Cooper and just paid him jack shit because he signed an extension. He's going to make thirteen mil in 2019 before he hits the market. Um, but yeah. Great move from Gruden, is what I'll say. Uh, after giving away Mac for those picks, a little suspect move. Now the Raiders are in the toilet. They're going to have a top five draft pick this season. Amari Cooper has been disgruntled. Uh, might as well get him out of there and got a dang first round pick out of it, which was big moves. Uh, Oakland now has five first round picks in the next two seasons. Basically, Gruden's just trying to retool and build whatever team he wants. It's kind of a power move if you're going to be there for 10 years. I, I actually do respect it. And, uh, you know, Twitter was going wild for Gruden. So he's got some of the critics back on his side, I guess you could say. Though this move isn't going to translate to wins right now, which is what everyone's harping about. Anyway, we'll get into that later. For the Cowboys, you're really going to give up a first-round pick. I understand the NFC East is really weak this year, and you feel like you have a chance to compete, but you just dropped a 3-4. and four. The Redskins currently lead the division at 4-2, and two, and they have one head-to-head over you. Um, I understand that the Cowboys currently rank 24th in yards per attempt. Dak Prescott, 6.9 yards per attempt. Not good at all. He's not stretching the field at all, partly because of the offense, partly because of Dak and just how he plays, and partly is because they don't have a deep threat. But is Amari Cooper the answer? I mean, this dude, he's not going to be a plug-and-play type of guy. Um, Even when he was on the field this season, he was not performing up to expectations at all. He has the talent to be a top 15 receiver in this league. Um, Yeah, so I mean, it's just another weapon that Jason Garrett can throw in there. What I really think this all comes down to is Jerry Jones. Think, think about this right now. Jerry Jones. How old do you think Jerry Jones is? That dude looks like he's got the mumps. And he's looked like he had the mumps for the past 10 seasons. He looks like a skeleton. I would have guessed before I looked it up, I would have said 83. 
I looked it up. Jerry Jones, 76 years old. I feel like, saw, like not trying to offend anyone, but he's going to kick the bucket soon. And before he kicks the bucket, he's trying to win another ring. That's why he's kept Jason Garrett around for so long. That's why they're going to stick with Dak, and that's why I believe Dak's going to get an extension. Because Jerry Jones, who is the ringleader of the Cowboys, he's not going to let anything go by that he doesn't want to let go by. Is going to keep everything in place until he passes away, and Stephen Jones then is the new front office guy. So basically, this comes down to Jerry. He sees that the Cowboys have a chance to make a run this year, but they're missing outside threats. So you give up a first rounder. That's not smart at all. If Jerry was not the current owner, that this move would have would have never happened. I think it's just a ploy by him to try to make one last run at it. But I don't even think it's the right the right move. I mean, you got a decent defense and a good O line, but th- I don't think this team has Super Bowl capabilities, especially with the Rams and the NFC. Um, the Vikings are playing way better, and on the other side, you got the Chiefs and the Patriots and even the Chargers. You could throw in there. Um, those are all teams that are just. Leaps and bounds ahead of the Cowboys. And I, I could put another 10, 12 teams in the NFL that I would take ahead of the Dallas Cowboys at this time. Um, just a really interesting move all around. But, yeah, I really do think it's it's the Jerry Jones effect. Um, he wants to win a championship in the next couple of years. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Switching over to another team in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, oh, man. They currently sit at 3-4. and four. They just blew a 17-point lead to the Carolina Panthers at home. The Panthers and Cam Newton, an offense that has been struggling to get it going throughout this whole season, three straight touchdown drives on the Eagles to win. Carson Wentz drops to, I believe, 2-3 and three on the season as a starter this year. The Super Bowl hangover is real. It is real. And this team spent, I, I don't want to sound like, like an old man harping on this, but this this team clearly did not come into the year focused, spent the offseason doing everything but thinking about football. Doug Peterson wrote a book. Lane Johnson spewing his mouth every chance he can get going on to whatever talk radio show will listen to him. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins entered into the political sphere for a couple quick months before dropping out, and then Eric Reed calling him out. But there's just been so many things that this Eagles team has been focusing on that isn't football. And you can't just expect to strap up, lace up the cleats, put on the pads, and be ready to go by the, season, by the time the season starts. And, I mean, you can tell from, from that week one game that they snuck out against an Atlanta team that we have now seen as very porous. Um, it's like since then. The Eagles just have not looked good. Uh, their schedule, uh, their next three games are going to be going to be huge. They travel to London to play the Jaguars, two teams that need a win, are desperate for a win. Then they have the Cowboys at home um, after a bye week, and then they have the Saints on the road. So this is this is a three game stretch that the Eagles could easily drop to three and seven. And 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 imagine imagine me sitting here before the NFL season started saying. Eagles will start off three and seven, and Carson Wentz will be the starting QB in eight of those games. That is a crazy stat. That is crazy. And you know what's even more crazy? Doug freaking Peterson. He ah, he makes me mad. Just I don't know if you listened to his press press conference after the game against Carolina. 
He said, "The I'm, I can't quote it verbatim, but he said the Eagles. He told his team, we are now underdogs. No one's going to be expecting us coming up. Like, there's no pressure on us anymore. That's baloney, man. That is baloney. You're the Super Bowl defending champions. I understand you've never been here in your life before, but everyone is gunning for you every single game. It doesn't matter if you're 0-15. That 16th game of the year, that team is gunning for you because you currently hold a Lombardi trophy. Okay, Doug Peterson? You're not surprising anyone. You're not coming up on anyone. Okay, that's just a ridiculous claim. I understand if you... If this is a college team and you want to get your get your locker room going, yeah. But these are grown men. These are NFL guys. They know they're not coming up on anyone. It doesn't matter how you've been playing. You are still the Super Bowl defending champions, and like you're not gonna you're not gonna surprise anyone. So get that BS out of here, Doug Peterson. I just don't want to hear that. Okay, why don't you why don't, instead of writing a book throughout the whole offseason, you should have been d- drawing up damn plays so your team doesn't look so stagnant on offense in the second half. Like, it's just ridiculous. Carson Wentz is holding on to the ball way too long. He's going to get himself injured again. And one of the best talents at the quarterback position in this league is, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen, but could have two major injuries in the first couple of years of his career because this man sits back in the pocket and he, he, he just doesn't get rid of the ball. I don't know what to say. And then when he, when he does take off and scramble, He's not going down. He's not stepping out of bounds. Carson Wentz is never gonna is never gonna pull a Jimmy G and tear his ACL from stepping out of bounds. Carson Wentz is gonna tear that thing from trying to pick up an extra two yards in the second quarter of a seven to three game against the Titans. Like this man needs to figure out, needs to understand. He is this franchise. Okay, he is one of the best quarterback talents across the whole league. Okay. Play like it, okay? Protect yourself. It's fine. You're not trying to earn your stripes as a leader on the team, okay? You don't need to go out and throw that block. You don't need to pick up 15 yards instead of 8 yards, okay? Get down. Protect yourself. The final thing for the Eagles that just brings it full circle, the running game has just been horrendous. They rank worst in the league ever since Jay Ajayi got injured about two and a half weeks ago. They've just been awful. And even when Ajayi was in there, he's only averaging about four bucks a carry, so ninth and great. Their longest run of the year, 21 yards. Corey Clement. That's freaking ridiculous. Um, everyone on the roster, no one on the roster is averaging more than four and a half yards a carry if they've had more than three yard, three carries. They just can't, if you can't establish a run, you're going to have, defense is either going to sit back and that Carson Wentz, he's a great quarterback, but he's not, he's not, he's not a precision quarterback, okay? He's not throwing people open like a maybe Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees is doing. That's why the run game is so crucial in this offense. When they're not getting it, it just puts a burden on every everybody else. So I think the Eagles are in a really, really tough spot, um, even though they do sit at 3-4, and four and they are, what, just a game and a half out of first in the NFC East, which is wild. But I, I, I think I think, I think they're, they're in a rough spot right now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's my Eagles rant. Doug Peterson, listen, dude, listen. All right, draw more plays. Don't write books. Moving on, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a bad, bad loss, twenty to seven against the Houston division rival, Houston Texans, this week. Both teams came in at three and three uh, in a division that's wide open. Of course, the Texans now lead the division, uh, while the Jags dropped to one game out. Blake Bortles would 
was pulled after one, after one drive in the second half. He was 6 for 12, 61 yards and two fumbles. It's not like he played awful, but the offense just couldn't get anything going. Um, Cody Kessler came in, and he threw a touchdown, but he didn't look much better. Doug Marone said after the game, you could tell he was aggravated. He said he just wanted to light a spark into this team, show everyone that their job is not safe, blah, blah, blah. I do like that. I do like that mindset. Uh, however, I do think Blake Bortles is going to start the game in London. He is 3-0 and in London. Um, I don't think that will have anything to factor into it. He's just a better quarterback than Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler is not an NFL-level quarterback. Uh, but Houston, now 4-3. and three, uh, Deshaun Watson picking it up. The Texans, what, they started – I believe they started 0-3 and have now won four in a row. Yeah, 0-3, beat the Colts on the road and the Cowboys, Bills, and Jags. Um, they're coming into a part of their schedule. They, they could pick up some more wins. they got the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Redskins, Titans, and Browns in their next five. Win three of those, you're sitting at seven and five. Again, I think this is a division. The AFC South is like the NFC East where the winner may only have nine or ten games, have won nine or ten games. So uh, big on the Houston Texans. One more thing I want to say about the Jaguars. I almost forgot. Fuck this motherfucker, Jalen Ramsey. He is like he is such a clown. It literally makes me mad. So shout out to shout out to him for triggering me. But I don't know if you guys saw last week against um, the Chiefs when the Jaguars what they got blown out. Um, Tyree Kill was just was. Jalen Ramsey came out before. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I didn't have this rant last week because I we didn't have a pod. I was a little under the weather. Still am. Had a long weekend. Blah blah blah. Whatever. You don't care. Jalen Ramsey came out before the game against uh, against the Chiefs. He was like, "Yeah, talking." They they were asking about Tyree Kill. You know, he's been the, one of the most dynamic wide receivers this season. Saying, "Yo, yo, yeah." Like, I'm an All Pro at my position. Tyree Kill only made the Pro Bowl as a, as a returner. Man, don't talk. Don't talk about that. We're not the same. All right, all right, shut the fuck up, you thug. Go go do your work on the field, whatever. Comes into the game, gets absolutely dogged. I, I could not have loved it more. The Jaguars lost this game 30-14. to 14. Oh, this is two weeks ago. 30-14. to 14, um, um, Tyreek Hill uh, made Jalen Ramsey look silly, absolutely silly a couple times. Um, and completely won that matchup. And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey comes back to the media just not saying anything. And then, uh, I see, I'm getting all my weeks crumbled. Last week, when they played the Cowboys, lost 40-7. to Did you, did you, I wish I could put in a soundbite. Did you, did you hear Jalen Ramsey's post-game press conference? He didn't say anything. He did not say anything. He said, I don't know. Did I ask him a question? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I know they don't teach you much at Florida State, but you got to know more than three words besides I don't know. Like, stop being such a clown, man. That guy deserves, that guy needs to get fucking stuck one time. Like, oh, God, like, you can't, you're not, you're not playing that well and you keep talking shit. And then when you get dusted, you have nothing to say. Like, that's just bad, dude. That's bad. Like, you just, you don't look good. You don't look good doing that, and I really don't care because I'm glad that you don't look good because I freaking hate you and you and whatever. This is getting off on a tangent, but followed up DeAndre Hopkins zoots him uh, in in this in the Texans twenty to seven 
win. Uh, he had a beautiful, beautiful slant um, on the 10-yard line for a touchdown. Jalen Ramsey was going the opposite way. Uh, Hopkins had another sideline play where Ramsey was fumbling over his feet. Um, yeah, he needs, Ramsey needs to pick his shit up. Because uh, I, do, I do like Blake Bortles but, and the Jaguars, but Ramsey is one guy I cannot stand. And if the Jaguars lose out because of the secondary, God almighty, I will be the happiest man in America. <clears throat> and moving on to the uh, Buffalo indie game, not really much to talk about. Indianapolis stomped up, stomped them thirty-seven to five. Um, Andrew Luck, who's been throwing about fifty passes a game, only had to throw twenty-four uh, passes, completed seventeen of them, and had four touchdowns. Uh, Marlon Mack, second-year running back, um, he was injured for a lot of the beginning of the season. It's finally his first game back completely healthy. He had 21 total touches for 159 yards and two touchdowns. This is big uh, for the Colts. If the Colts want to compete for a playoff spot, which I do think they can in this AFC South division, they currently sit at 2-5. and five. I know that's not good, but I, I do like what I see, especially Luck's finally coming into form. If you get a running back to help balance out Luck, you're going to have a good offense. Um, so, yeah, that's my take on the Colts. You know, the Bills started Derek Anderson – Nathan Peterman's got to be ashamed of himself that Derek Anderson started this game. These two are scrubs. I want Josh Allen back to at least be able to watch this game, watch a Bills game with some intrigue. Should be a couple more weeks for the youngster. Uh, Detroit, Miami, Detroit. I picked Detroit to finish the season eleven and five. I really liked them. Um, they struggled out of the gate, losing uh, three of four, but. They've come back. They're now sit at three and three. Uh, just ha- uh, I think one and a half games out of the division. The Vikings lead at like four, two and one, which is another thing to get into. Is the ties are going to be crucial coming down the stretch for all these teams. But um, the Lions sit at three and three. They beat the Dolphins 32-21. Carry on Johnson. What a steal! Third rounder from Auburn. Dude has just been unreal this year. He had twenty one touches and one hundred seventy yards uh, against the Dolphins. He is going to be one of those – I mean, you, you get running backs. If, if you look at the last couple of years' drafts, these running backs in the later rounds, they're, they're, they're uh, game changers. Um, and on Johnson is just yet another example of that. He has basically amassed LeGarrette Blunt as the clear number one running back on the Lions and has added a new dynamic to that team that they before did not have. Kenyon Drake got hurt. Uh, he had 50, 54 yards and a touchdown. He's looking good, but he got hurt. That'll be some fantasy owners to watch. I'm not sure the severity of the injury. It doesn't look like he'll be out for too long, though. Uh, Minnesota against the Jets. Adam Thielen had his seventh straight 100-yard game. He's one 100-yard game away from tying the all-time record. That's crazy. I mean, if you haven't if you haven't heard of this guy's story, he had a $500 scholarship to play football at Minnesota State. Um, then he he had a went to an open tryout for the Vikings, made the practice squad, worked his way up. Now now he's just one of the best receivers in the NFL. Props to Adam Thielen. Oh, he's rooting for that guy. Um, Darnold, Sam Darnold, like like I said, like we all knew, he, he rookies are turnover prone, and then there's Sam Darnold turnover prone. He had a boatload of interceptions at USC. And he's showing, and he's showing us that this year. I mean, he shows his flashes, but then he shows he's gonna, gonna, gonna make some turnovers. He had four turnovers 
in the loss against the Vikings. It's twenty a twenty point loss, four turnovers. I mean that that's a big swing right there. Uh, both teams to note were terrible on third down. The Vikings were two of fifteen, and the Jets were just two of thirteen. Um, the Vikings are typically one of the better third down offenses in football. So I don't know whether to give kudos to the Jets or the Vikings just weren't playing well. Either way, not really not really impactful on the final score. Um, how about the New England Chicago game? This is a wild game. Matt Nagy, who is one of the up and coming head coaches, he's an offensive mastermind against Bill Belichick, the ultimate mastermind who's been doing it for way longer. Probably more years than Nagy's been alive. Nagy looks like he's in his uh, early 40s, I believe. Um, yeah, it was a very, very interesting game. The Patriots won 38-31. If you didn't see the ending of it, Mitch Trubisky flung out a Hail Mary uh, when the Bears were down 7. Kevin White, uh, the infamous Kevin White, who's about a fifth-year rookie, um, snagged the ball, caught it at the one-yard line, but the Patriots stuffed him short. Uh, so ultimately, they ended up winning the game. It was wild play, and Kevin White's the perfect guy to go up and get a jump ball like that, but it just didn't work out. However, I was really impressed with the Bears. Um, it proved to me that the Bears are legit. I know the, I know uh, you might find it silly. They were leading the NFC North. I mean, they have wins. Uh, they had that game against the Packers to open up the season. Then, But other than that, they really like haven't had great wins. Seahawks, Cardinals, and Bucks. I know they dismantled the Bucks 48 to 10, but this game against the Patriots, even in a loss, showed me that this team is legit. They have a chance at competing for the playoffs. Khalil Mack wasn't 100% healthy, um, which which I think is why that defense struggled against the Patriots and because you're playing against Tom Brady. But Matt Nagy, you know, drew up some drew up some very interesting plays. Mitch Trubisky proved to be a true dual threat quarterback. He had 70 yards on the ground, which you know is a lot for a guy that we consider a pocket passer. Um, on the special teams, very interesting. Cordero Patterson fumbled a kickoff uh, early on in the first quarter, and then two kickoffs later, or maybe it was the next one, he took it for a touchdown. That's the boom-bust thing that all the Vikings fans have, have warned you about, Cordero Patterson. He'll go drop pass, drop pass, penalty, 95-yard touchdown. Like, this guy's got the explosiveness off the charts, but he's also not the most savvy, as I would put it. Um, in that game, Sony Michelle got injured his knee. Adam Schefter said it, it he shouldn't miss many games, if at all, for you fantasy owners. Even if he does play next week, let me see who the Patriots play. Even if he does play, they're playing at the Bills. I'd be hard pressed to believe that Michelle is going to get a lot of touches. Patriots are going to gonna handle the bills just fine and then they go into a bye week no reason to give michelle touches and rough him up any more than he already is for their stretch run um so yeah i believe if james white um should be getting the bulk of the carries next week against buffalo finally gronk was out but josh gordon was in he had four catches for 100 yards including a 51 yard catch he's looking good Patriots finally starting to get into the offense. Patriots are five and two. They got they got they got the weapons they need. I mean, the Gronk injury is going to be big on if how far they advance in the playoffs. That's my hot take. I mean, if his back keeps bothering him, I don't think this team has the has the firepower to beat the Chiefs or or the Chargers. I'll take the Chargers over the Pats without Gronk. But anyway, that's a storyline to watch for down the road. 
A um, couple more games to get into. We had the Cleveland-Tampa Bay overtime game. Cleveland in its fifth overtime game of the year. Uh, unfortunately, another loss for them. I mean, unfortunately, I don't really care about the Browns. So, um, Or was that their f- – yeah. Um, Chandler Catanzaro for the Bucks missed, uh, I believe it was a 41-yard field goal as time was expiring. And then he hit a 59-yard field goal to win it with three minutes left in overtime. Big redemption for that guy. Got to feel good for him and the Bucks. Jameis Winston at 365 yards through the air, 55 on the ground, and a rushing touchdown. Um, Winston's looking like typical Jameis Winston. You know, he turns the ball over a decent amount. He had two interceptions. But um, he, he's always going to put up gaudy numbers. And this Bucks defense finally played pretty good, held an opponent under – 24 points and gave their offense a shot to win this game, which they went out and did. Uh, the ru- the running game for the Bucks was still a question. Then again, they're not really going to be competing for anything this year, so it's not a big issue for them. Browns dropped to two four and one. Um, they got they play at the Steelers and against the Chiefs. That's probably going to be two losses, so they're going to be two six and one. So what do you know? The Browns are once again in the dumpster of the NFL. I never really believed in them. Baker Mayfield turns the ball over too much. You know, he'll put up numbers. He'll look good. He'll have his highlight plays. He will be a starter in this league for many years, but he won't be a productive starter. He'll never be a Super Bowl winning starter. Um, I say a Baker Mayfield team, and she's around him. See, the Browns have a great defense, and they got good weapons on the outside, and they got a good running game. So I mean, pretty much got all you need right there. And they're not they're not that they're not that great. I understand Baker's a rookie. I think. Right now, I'd put him at, at a 10-win cap. I don't think this guy can lead a team to any more than 10 wins. He is a big-game player, so I could see him making one little playoff run in his career. I know we're dissecting a guy's career that's going to be going on for the next 12 years. So, But, you know, just throwing that out there. Sam Darnold should have been the choice at one. Over to the morning game in London. The I don't know if you guys saw this, if you are awake or the Chargers topped the Titans 20-19. to uh, Tennessee actually dominated the game. They had nine more first downs than the Chargers. Um, Mariota threw an interception in the end zone to end the half, and end the first half. Uh, but they still lost. And they shouldn't have lost 20-19. Mike Vrabel, first-year head coach. Titans score a touchdown on fourth down with about 30 seconds left. Mike Vrabel decides to go for two, try to ice the game. Titans don't get it, and obviously the Chargers knee at the clock game over. Was it the right decision? It's hard to say. I mean, no. No is it should be the answer. I mean, the Titans are sitting at 3-3. Three and three. I understand. Um, I understand you're trying to steal one against an AFC powerhouse in the, in the Chargers, but you were out playing them the whole game there without Melvin Gordon. They couldn't really move the ball on the ground you got to send that game into overtime and see what you can do. I mean, I really think the Titans would have came out on top in overtime had Rabel not gone for two and just kicked the extra point. Obviously, we all live in hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and we it's so easy to sit here and bash on Rabel, which I won't do because I like coaches being aggressive, but I do think that was the wrong decision, though I'm not going to get all get all worked up about it. However, the Titans are on a three-game losing streak, though. They started off 3-1. and one. That... Um, does look a little shaky. They got they play at the Cowboys. Um, they, they're heading into a bye week. Then they play at the Cowboys against the Patriots, at the Colts, and against the Texans. Those are four big games, including two in the AFC South in a very jumbled division. So 
Mike Vrabel and the Titans will need to bounce back. Mariota did say he liked the decision. So, I mean, if you've got the locker room behind you, shoot. It's all that really matters. Screw the, screw the media. Screw the haters. Uh, the New Orleans-Buffalo game. This was a fun game to watch. Maybe the best game of the, the weekend, in my opinion. New Orleans came out on top 24-23. to 23. Justin Tucker. Near and dear to my heart. Near and dear to my heart. He was a Texas Longhorn kicker. Um, he hit a game-winning field goal against Texas A&M the last time the two have ever played. 2011, uh, we were down, we were down one. Time was expiring. Tucker hit it as a senior. Beast mode. This man has never missed an extra point. He hasn't missed an extra point since he was 16 years old. 16. That's two years. That's two years in high school of kicking. Two years as a college kicker. He was the punter for the first two years. Then he became the kicker at Texas. And I believe this is his. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Seventh year in the league. So six years, including playoffs. That's 10 years of football. Man has not missed an extra point. And of course, when Joe Flacco leads the Ravens down the field, down a touchdown after blowing a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, Joe Flacco finds John Brown in the back of the end zone. Minimal time left on the clock. Justin Tucker, the league's best kicker, Goes out there, misses an extra point. Saints win 24-23. Tucker took it like a man. He said, I want to go up to the podium. Went up to the podium, addressed the media. Said everything was good on the snap. Everything was good on the hold. I thought I hit it good. And it, it, it really did look good. If you, It was going straight down the middle and then it just yanked. It, it didn't look like a bad kick at all. He hit it clean. Uh, who knows? He doesn't know why he missed it. I don't know why he missed it. No one knows why he missed it. Um, but just a shocker, really a killer. If you had if you had Ravens minus two and a half, <clears throat> me, <clears throat> just a killer. I mean, whatever. I'm not gonna get into that. But shocker, shocking miss from Justin Tucker. The Ravens currently sit at four and three, which is technically behind the Steelers, who are four two and one, who lead the AFC. They they were at a bye this week. Uh, I do think the Ravens are gonna win the division though. That that defense is stout. That offense with Joe Flacco and Crabtree Sneed. Sneed, who dropped a couple balls, nonetheless. But Crabtree Sneed, um, they got two good tight ends and John Brown. It's a good-looking offense, good-looking defense, and they got a, the league's best kicker, even if he did just uh, miss an extra point. So I, I, I don't think there should be a lot of not made out of this. Uh, I could have counted the extra point misses this weekend alone, and there probably had to be at least five. So Tucker missing one in his career, they give him a break. I, I really don't think it, people were coming after him either, which is good. You know, Tuck's the man. Great kicker. In, incredible leg, incredible accuracy. He'll keep doing his thing. Another Pro Bowl guaranteed for Tucker. Um, about the Saints real quick, though. Taysom Hill, the guy out of BYU, he's 28 years old. I remember him. He beat Texas a while back. Um this new wrinkle that Sean Payton has added in the offense is is phenomenal. I mean, Taysom Hill is, is essentially a, a Tim Tebow, but better at everything. Um, I don't, if you haven't seen it, should watch a Saints game. Whenever the Saints, not whenever, but a, 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 
many times when the Saints are in a short yarded situation or typically when they're near the, the, the goal line, Taysom Hill will come in at quarterback and they'll either run, they'll run a multi- multitude of things. Uh, triple option where he's got the option to pitch, run it in. He'll, he'll roll out with, with the guy coming with him. Maybe have a tight end come in through the back. Like after he's blocks, Taysom Hill throw it a touchdown um, or he just does a QB power. But this guy's a grinder. He had six carries for 35 yards. Um, he was big late in the game, picked up a couple crucial third downs when the Saints were trying to uh, add, add, add some points to the board. Um, so, yeah, he, he's been a big part of their offense, which is, which, is, um, which is huge. And, of course, a guy like Sean Payton would add this wrinkle. On the other side, Lamar Jackson, J- uh, John Harbaugh, who, who – um, Jim Harbaugh. Fuck, I was going to mix up. No, fuck it. John Harbaugh. I God, I was going to mix up. John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens, who has Lamar Jackson, is trying to do the same thing with him, but just isn't doing it as effective. Yeah. Har- Harbaugh's a special teams guy. What, what can we say? He's not, he's not the offensive mastermind like Peyton is. But no, uh, Sean Payton's take, taken Taysom Hill and, and, and formed him into, into a key proponent of this offense, I must say. Uh, another one of the late games, San Francisco uh, against the Rams. The Rams dominated 39-10. to um, Nothing much to be said here. Aaron Donald had four sacks and a forced fumble. The Rams' defense were played out of their minds. They had forced four turnovers, had seven sacks as a team, and had a safety. Um, nothing really much to say. I mean, we all saw on Monday night the 49ers compete against the Packers, and they probably should have won that game. Um, the 49ers will, will, will scrape a couple wins together with C.J. Beathard, but teams like the Rams are just going to go out and dominate them every time, which shows you how the Packers are nowhere near that upper echelon of teams in the league because of how they played against the, the 49ers compared to what the Rams did to San Francisco. Um, in the last four o'clock, <coughs> excuse me, the last four o'clock game was between Dallas. In Washington, big game in the NFC East. Big, big, big game. Washington came in at three and two. The Cowboys came in at three and three. Um, Washington ultimately won the game twenty to seventeen. People are talking about the ending. If you didn't see it, the Cowboys were lined up for a forty-seven yard field goal attempt. Brett Maher. There was a, full, a penalty called on the center. They said he fidgeted the ball. He moved the ball, um, and, which caused a Redskins guy to bust through the line. If you look at, believe me, I am not a Cowboys fan, but if you look at what the, what the, what the long snapper did with the ball on the play that got called a penalty, what the long snapper did with the ball on the ensuing kick, it's pretty much it's pretty much exactly the same thing. Um, it was a terrible call, and ultimately the 52-yard field goal was barely missed. It hit the left upright from 47. It would have been good. I know we can go back and <coughs> say that it might not have been the same kick. Whatever. From 47, Mar was hitting that, and that game was going into overtime. Um, saved a lot of under bets with with at the 42 and a half spread, but. Just, just I, I, I want to call it a, a bad call uh, from the referees. Tony Dungy on Football Night in America was going off about it, um, and it could be, it could be a, 
a playoff swinging call with these teams going to be jockeying every game, meaning so much, even so early on in the season in the NFC East. So Dak Prescott <clears throat> looked pretty good, actually, threw for 273 yards and a touchdown. He had 33 on the ground. <clears throat> However, he did fumble the ball twice. Um, like we talked about Amari Cooper earlier, it'll be interesting how quickly he's implemented into the offense and what he can do. I think he, I, none, like at the minimum, he's 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 gonna go out there in the first couple of weeks and and run flies and comebacks because Prescott just needs someone where he can throw the ball up deep and have him go get it, not worried about a five eleven cornerback out muscling um, his guy for the ball. Cooper is a guy that can do that. <laughs> is a guy that can do that. Uh, finally, we have the Monday night Chiefs dismantling of the Bengals. Sorry, I need some water. I've been coughing it's like a fucking chain smoker. But Chiefs just went out there and crushed the Bengals, coming off their first loss of the season to the Patriots, 45-10. to 10. Many thought this game would be like closer um, because the Bengals' offense has, has looked so uh, good this season. They came out and put up a goose egg. Andy Dalton, 15 for 29. He eventually got pulled in the fourth when they were down by so many. A.J. Green did have a good game, though, 117 through the air. Um, Kareem Hunt had three total touchdowns, two receiving, one rushing. Kareem Hunt is back uh, after he started the season off kind of slow. And once again, Pat Mahomes dialed it up. He was 28 for 39, 358, a tutty, and one interception that basically served as a punt. So... Not a big deal there. Um, the, the the criminal thing in this game, criminal. Over-under in this game was 55.5 for 56, whatever. It was 45 to 10. The Chiefs were moving at the end of the game. Uh, they had the ball right near, the, I think, probably like the 10-yard line. It was like a third down and five play. They didn't pick it up. So there was like a couple, there was like, probably like maybe like a minute left I want to say and instead of instead of kicking the field goal just kicking the field goal Andy Reid decides to basically on fourth and four to basically run a play that it was never gonna it was just like a little like outside run but no one was really blocking and Spencer Ware wasn't really running hard he basically wasn't trying to run the score up on his on his good friend Marvin Lewis and because of that, he cost millions of Americans um, out there because the game finished at 45 to 10, so 55 total points. When you just could have kicked it through the uprights, just another three points and, and satisfied the betters. Whether whether Andy Reid is colluding or whether he's just trying to be a good friend, either way, I don't like it at all. Can't be doing that to our betters out there, specifically me. But yeah, I mean, that, that's, the, that's your NFL wrap-up of the week. Pretty crazy week. I mean, the NFL is, is always there's going to be a new storyline every week, but the one that stays the same is I mean, the Chiefs and the Rams continue to dominate. I would you could throw the Patriots and the Chargers into that echelon too. Melvin Gordon should be back healthy for the Chargers next week because you could tell that offense offense missed him. I like Austin Eckler as a running back as a, as a as a pass catcher, but he can't service as your as your as your uh, full time running back. Just won't work. A quick preview of tonight: Falcons. I guess. I, I won't even do that because no one's going to listen to it before the game comes out. A uh, quick jump into the co- college football. I don't have too much prepared for this. And we saw Alabama dominate Tennessee. 
Um, if you're a betting man, throw money on Alabama, um, spread Alabama over and total over in first quarter and first half of every game they play. Um, let me check their schedule real quick until they come up. So, oh, they play. Ooh, that's a big ass game. Alabama's heading into the bye. Okay. All right. I'm going to do this rant. Whatever. Nick Saban is a motherfucker, dude. Nick Saban perfectly aligns everything in his schedule to make sure it goes his way. Dude, you're the best coach in college football. Probably the best coach, no offense, Lou Holtz. Probably the best coach college football has ever seen. You're the best recruiter college football has ever seen. You got the best team in college football every single year. And now you got a quarterback to, to, that adds to the best team in college football. Nick Saban, if you look, I, if you look, he places his bye weeks and his out-of-conference games, he puts them in the spots that he wants to put them. Like He put this bye week ahead of LSU because he knew it was going to be one of, if not the most important game on the schedule. He put the Citadel game versus Auburn when no one plays a team like the Citadel in the back end of their schedule. They play a team like the Citadel in the first two or three games to establish some momentum. You don't play the Citadel in late November, dude. You put them ahead of, put them ahead of the Auburn game because he knows that'll be one of his tougher games of the season. So he's got he's coming into a, he's coming off a bye to play at LSU in Baton Rouge. So his team's going to get healthy. He's going to be able to prepare. He's going to have an extra week of game planning. Then you got the Citadel, which isn't really a game, doesn't really count against before Auburn. And then and then anytime Saban is scheduling an out of conference game, there is absolutely let me hear it. Absolutely no way that man is going on the road. Okay, I, I, I wish I could have the numbers to back this up. Saban will either schedule, he'll either put his games at home, he'll say, he'll say, hey, let's play in Atlanta, you know? Let's play in Orlando. Let's play, let's play in Arlington, you know? Let's, let's do that. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming to your place. Because, why? Because he's scared. Saban, you have nothing to be scared about. If you asked him if he was scared, obviously he'd say no. And he shouldn't be, but he is, dude. He is. He does this st- strategical placements for reasons. You don't, don't try to tell me that this is random. Don't try to tell me that this is the AD. This is Nick Saban, dude. This is Nick MF and Saban. He's scheming the system. Kudos to him, but it's a fucking flaky-ass move. It's a corn puff move. It's a beta move. Saban, play LSU and Auburn back-to-back. Play at Notre Dame. Play in Eugene, Oregon. Travel. Move your team, dude. No one wants to see you beat up on Louisville in Orlando, okay? No one wants to see that, okay? God, Saban, get your shit right. Like you, even if you gave you even if we gave you the hardest football, the hardest schedule in college football, you're still gonna dominate it, is the thing. You're still gonna dominate it, man. It's ridiculous. God, I hate, I hate how he does that. Because yes, mad respect to Alabama. Yes, you put them against any schedule in the league, and they're probably going twelve and zero in the in the nation. But come on, dude, that's some chicken shit. Like, get that, get that away from me. That makes me not respect you. Obviously, Saban does not, uh, does not give a fuck about people respecting him. So that's out the window. But you know, just something to mention. Get that chicken shit out of here, Saban. <laughs> Secondly. Ohio State, bam, bam, drubbed by Purdue. God, the whole fucking country had to love watching that shit. 
Um, it was terrific. Shout out my go- shout out my boy Rondell Moore. Oh, okay, Rondell Moore. If you don't know, um, speedster wide receiver, number four on Purdue. Now that I said that, you probably do know him. Um, he's from Indiana. Originally committed to Texas. All right, he's he's an undersized guy. He's a speedster. Um, he, he's he, he's a good return man. Uh, he he wouldn't. Have, he originally committed to Texas. We got guys like Brennan Eagles, uh, Josh Moore, um, oh, sorry. Uh, Demari Overshawn coming in. Other receiver commits that he knew would play ahead of him. Uh, so he decommitted. You know, can respect that. Unfortunately, Rondell Moore is looking better than all these guys that we have, even though they're not playing that much because we got a lot of high class receivers. Whatever. Don't want to get off on that tangent. But Rondell Moore goes to Purdue and he just has been lighting shit up ever since game one. Uh, he started off the season in his first game. He had 11 receptions, 109 yards, a touchdown, two rushing attempts for 79 yards and a touchdown. Uh, against Missouri, 11 receptions, 137 yards, a touchdown. Uh, he had eight receptions for 110 and two TDs against BC. Um, besides one dud against Eastern Michigan, where he only had three catches for 16 yards, Rondell Moore has had at least 85 yards um, every game this season. And against Ohio State, they felt the wrath of a real athlete. They felt Ohio State's been playing some milk duds throughout this season. I know you played Penn State on the road. Give you that one. That's a good win. Penn State doesn't look as good to me as they looked at the beginning of the season. However, whatever. Penn State is still a good win. Rondell Moore made these made these Ohio State athletes look like JV players on varsity. He was breaking tackles left and right. He finished with. Um, he finished with 194 yards of total offense and two touchdowns, including a 43-yard touchdown. That was just ridiculous. It, it was, it broke the Ohio State defense when they were trying to get back in it down two possessions. Purdue ended up blowing them out, 49-20. Ohio State always has a loss like this. On they always lose to a team like Purdue or Iowa or Illinois. You know they just slip up. But 49-20 has me thinking. What is up with this Ohio State team? The defense clearly misses Nick Bosa, who is the best, probably first or second behind Ed Oliver, best defensive player in the country. Um, he decided he got injured early on. Decided he's not going to come back. He's just going to start preparing for the draft. That's going to be a big loss. Uh, they could not get any pressure up front whatsoever. Um, they only had two sacks against the Purdue offensive line that's been given up about four sacks a game. Dwayne Haskins threw the ball 73 times in the air. I, Ohio State had to possess this ball for about 35 minutes. Yeah, Ohio State had the ball for 32 minutes. It just Purdue's, Purdue has a good – I mean, people sleep. Purdue has a good offense. David Blow, their quarterback, um, he's a real he's – a, he's, a, he's a gunslinger. He didn't turn the ball over, which is huge. And I don't know. I mean, this Ohio State team does have 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 something to worry about. Um, they they play Nebraska. They got they're going into a bye week. Um, they got Nebraska at Michigan State, and then of course Michigan to end the season. My prediction, I'll put it right here: the winner of the winner of uh, Michigan and Ohio State in uh, Michigan and Ohio State. If they both come in with one loss, which I think they will, I think Michigan should be able to beat Penn State. The winner of that will make it to the college football playoff because they will then go on to beat the shitty team that comes out of the West, whether it be Northwestern, Wisconsin, or Iowa, or Purdue. 
see, but actually see what I did there? It could be Purdue. They're currently 3-1 and one in conference. And Ohio State just got drubbed by them. So never say never, but it's going to be tough for one of those teams to beat Ohio State or Michigan in uh, the Big Ten Championship. So that game on November 24th is going to be huge Saturday after Thanksgiving. It's going to be a must-watch game, must-watch game. I do think Jim Harbaugh finally overcomes the demons of that terrible spot, and I think he gets to win, but it's too far out of the question. Clemson, NC State. Clemson just absolutely pooped on them. Um, NC State came in undefeated, though I haven't played anyone. People were kind of buying into the hype. I was too. I, I put some money on the NC State money line. I mean, I really liked their quarterback, Ryan Finley, uh, and he just didn't show up at all. He had 156 yards and two INTs. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the country, averaging like 375 yards a game. Um, but yeah, they haven't really played anyone up to this point. Stupid of me to think Clemson was going to come out and throw a duck. They already threw up their duck. It was against Syracuse, and they survived. Clemson's going to go on undefeated, dude. They play no one good the rest of the year. Playing at FSU this week. Hopefully, Francois like, pulls out a Heisman game out of his ass and beats him. That'd be great. I'd love to see it. But other than that, dude, they play no one. And then they're going to end up playing Virginia Tech in the uh, ACC championship. That'll be the only chance um, they have at losing, really, in my opinion. Because, like I said, Clemson also, you know, that term Clemsoning, they had that game, and it was against Syracuse, and they survived it, so... I think Clemson, Clemson is kind of dead-eyed on 13-0 right now. Uh, LSU just flattened Mississippi State in the Bayou. Easiest under bet of all time, 19-3 final. Um, that LSU defense is just unmatched. It's going to be interesting to watch them against Tua Tagovailoa in, in uh, just about 13 days. So it's going to be a great game. I believe LSU, are they going into the bye? Um, if they aren't, then fuck Nick Saban. Yes, okay, LSU is going into the bye. And then they got Alabama. So both teams have two weeks to prepare. It's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be a hell of a game. Um, Michigan, of course. I assume you guys, if you, if you stay on social media, you've seen, you saw like the altercation. Let me let me tell you ex- exactly, exactly what, what went down. I don't, I don't know whether Devin Bush was just trying to be an instigator or what. But Michigan State um, always always does that walk across the field. They weren't just doing that because it was Michigan. They do that before every game. Link Arms walked a, walked a full 120 yards length of the field. I guess Michigan State was like 10 minutes late coming out to do that. So Devin Bush was getting on the field for some warm-ups. I mean, that's on him. He saw them coming. Like, what? Don't try to be a hardo, dude. Like, just get out of the way. Like, Try to be a hard The Michigan State just, just kind of walked right through him. And then Devin Bush what did whatever he did to the logo at midfield. I mean, that's just childish. I get it's a rivalry game, um, but just childish. I didn't, I didn't really like that at all. This game was actually pretty close throughout. Um, the score was, but not the play. The final was 21-7. to Um Michigan had Michigan State had some how how many yards of offense did it? Yeah, they had ninety four total yards of offense, and Michigan had nearly four hundred. So you can see Michigan in the first half got the ball down to like the thirty five three separate times, and they punted every time. Um, don't know for what reason they just weren't going for it on fourth. Uh, that's gonna hurt them if that happens against a team like say Ohio State or someone in a college football playoff game or whatever. You got to be aggressive, Jim Harbaugh. You got to be aggressive, but it really didn't matter. So, um, shout out the nine four one. 
Uh, Karan Higdon, senior running back, is absolutely balling out this year. He's averaging 5.4 yards per carry. has nearly 831 yards in seven games, six touchdowns. Michigan's going into the bye week well-deserved as they played seven straight games, rattled off six straight wins after that loss to Notre Dame to open up the season. Rattled off seven straight wins, or seven and one, so... Kudos to Michigan. I think they're. I think this is finally the year they get into the CFB. Um, and the final game that I want to talk about, the Wazoo Oregon game. Um, reports are that Justin Herbert, who is a junior, is going to come back for a senior season, which I could see now that Oregon has lost two games and have basically eliminated eliminated themselves from any Pac-12 title contention, which would be really unfortunate for teams like <coughs> the Giants. <coughs> Drafting at uh, that will ultimately be drafting at um, the top of the draft. If he goes back, if he comes back, it's basically like Drew Locke is up there. Will Greer. Eh. If 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 Herbert does go back, that class, the the twenty twenty QB um, draft class is going to be ridiculous. Dwayne Haskins, and Tua, and Herbert. Like that's going to be a strong class, but. Anyway, in the actual game, Wazoo dominated the first half, 27-0. Oregon scored 17 unanswered in the third. Wazoo was a, basically um, was able to close it out. Uh, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the nation, uh, Gardner Minshew. He's a senior. He's from Mississippi, found his way up to Washington State. He has the Cougars sitting at 6-1 and one right now. Uh, Minshew's at, he is averaging 405 yards per game. He's got 23 touchdowns on the season. Uh, he struggles with interceptions at times, but he's a gunslinger. And that game, the Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State, um, the last game of the season for both. One, it could desi- it could very well decide the uh, Pac-12 North champion. And two, that's going to be a hell of a game to watch. They're both going to be ranked right in the the, the low teens. They're going to be frisky teams. I don't know, it's going to be a great game, but Washington State has to worry about Stanford. Do they go on the road to play next week? Could easily slip up there, but I do like them. I wonder what the line is on that because I hope it's in Stanford's favor. Give me the Wazoo money line all day. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically the uh, wrap-up in college football weekend. Um, not too much. I mean, obviously the big story was Ohio State going down. LSU stayed pat against the 22nd-ranked team. I'll quickly read you the AP uh, t- top 25. Uh, we got the, the top 10 at least. You got Alabama sitting at one, undisputed, received all 61 first place votes. You got Clemson at two, Notre Dame at three, LSU at four, Michigan at five, Texas at six, Hook'em, Georgia at seven, Oklahoma at eight, Florida at nine, UCF at 10. <laughs> and this is, this is, God, I mean, I assume all you guys are UCF haters like me. Like, I mean, I didn't hate on UCF until they keep until they start claiming their national championship and they keep running their mouths like "shut up, dude." You have the hundred twenty seventh uh, ranked strength of uh, strength of record. Basically, what this means, basically, okay. So, strength of record. I'll go into this real quick if you if you're not familiar with it. It ranks your record and like it ranks in percentages of what top twenty of like an average top twenty five team of how they would do like compared to how you have done against your record. Um, so Notre Dame is actually on top of the list. Notre Dame's seven and O um, there's an, it had, a, it had Notre Dame at an 8% chance uh, of another top 25 team have uh, going seven and O against um, their schedule. UCF 
127th in the nation in this measure. That is absolutely crazy. But why I was laughing, because because Ohio State lost, they, they dropped down to number 11. And you had – because Ohio State was at number two. So Alabama was one, Ohio State was two. Ohio State dropped to 11. So Clemson then moved up one, ND moved up one, LSU moved up one, Michigan moved up one, up one, UT up one, UGA up one, OU up one. And then the 10th ranked team of last week, UCF, you'd think they move up one to nine? Nope. 11th ranked team, Florida Gators move up two, hop UCF, currently at the nine spot. Love to see it, even though I don't like the Gators at all. Love to see that. Screw UCF. I'm really hoping they lose, even though they're not. They're going to go undefeated again and whine and bitch and moan. Um... That game, though, uh, they play at, at UC. Ooh, ooh, I'm going to be trying to go to that game. They play at USF. USF is currently a top 25 team. Uh, they lost their quarterback, Flowers, but they, Charlie Strong, my boy, they still have one of the best defenses in the country. Um, they have some pretty good wins this uh, uh, There's some pretty good wins this year. They sit at 7-0. and uh, They beat Georgia Tech, Illinois, ECU, UConn. UConn's not good at all, and Tulsa. But I think UCF should win that game, but god damn, that'd be awesome if UF, USF won. You remember last last year, their, that game was crazy between t- the two of them. It was like 56-49 final. The one thing is, uh, like Mackenzie Milton, the UCF quarterback, he's a, he's a, good, he's a good QB. Um, there's really You really can't hate on him. He's a dual threat. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's a leader in the huddle, and he can sling the ball down the field, but... Just, just tired of hearing everything about UCF. Everyone, like, shut up, okay? No one cares. You're not doing anything. I'm. Oh, I'm gonna say this right now. I swear to mother, if UCF and Texas are matched up in a bowl game, I'm gonna blow my brains out. I'm going to, cause that's that, that's that that's what Auburn ran into last year. Like, yeah, yeah. Granted, Auburn's two top running backs who both went on to be drafted. One of them being Carryon Johnson were injured and out of that game. It's just a lose-lose situation when you play UCF if you're a top team. Because if you win, it's like, oh, it's the UCF Knights. Like, they're in the American. They're not They're not that good. And if you lose, it's like, damn, dude, you lost to UCF? Like, come on now. Like, these guys are booty. Like, it's a lose-lose. If Texas ends up playing them, I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to be so effing mad. God, I will mm. Just I'm not even gonna think about that. I would rather, I would rather. If you told me right now, you told me right now. Hot take, hot, hot take by me. If you said you're gonna go, you're gonna lose one more game, the rest of the season, and so you're not gonna make the college football playoff, but you're gonna you're gonna be in a New Year's Six Day Bowl, but you're gonna play UCF, or you lose two more games. And you drop maybe to like 18 in the rankings. And you play whoever. Anyone but UCF. I'm in. I'm in on the second option. I don't care. I do not want to play them, okay? I th- we, I, obviously, we would. I think we would win, but I, there's just... God, how much shit, dude. That'd be... Oh, God. Thank God I'm not an Auburn fan, dude. I could not deal with that shit. I cannot imagine what they had to deal with after they fucking lost to UCF. All those God, just momos, dude. They're brainwashed. They're God it makes me mad. 
Okay, anyway, no one really cares about Texas playing UCF. I know, I'm sorry. Um, I'll hop into my power rankings real quick, NFL power rankings. But before I do that, quick World Series preview. I don't know, I haven't, I haven't, I didn't plan anything for this, but wow, what, oh God. Uh, Fox has to be, has to be coming their pants everywhere. Dodgers, Red Sox, like the only better World Series you can have here is Dodgers, Yankees. Um, obviously I'm a Yankees fan, so screw the Red Sox. Astros, what are you doing? Like, that was terrible. We would have beat the Red Sox in a seven-game series. Astros just clunked their pants. Um, I don't want to root for either of these teams, but i got to root for the Dodgers. If you haven't seen my takes on Manny Machado, go to sqsports.wordpress.com. Find the link either under our Instagram or under our Twitter or just search it up. Read Manny Machado is a scumbag, and you will see, if you don't already see, how Manny Machado is a scumbag and why I do not want him in pinstripes. However, he needs to play big in this series if the Dodgers want to win. Both these offenses have major firepower, um, and I, I like the Dodgers' rotation more. Walker Bueller pitched a gem in Game 7 of the NLCS. You got Bueller, you got Kershaw, who I really, I really hope for his legacy that he has two stellar performances um, in this World Series, and then you got Rich Hill um, and Hung, Hinjun Ryu. So that Dodger rotation is solid. On the other side, uh, Nathan Eovaldi is fantastic, uh, fantastic in the playoffs. Rick Porcello's had his ups and downs. David Price finally made one good start. I really hope he just gets his brain beaten out uh, in the World Series. And Chris Sale, obviously. So it's going to be a good matchup all around. The major storyline uh, in this is Red Sox outfield is typically uh, from left to right, Andrew Benatendi, Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts, with J.D. Martinez at the DH. Obviously, they're going to want Martinez's bat um, in the lineup when they are playing in the NL. So he's most likely going to move out to right field. Because Jackie Bradley Jr. has been playing so well, I think they got to keep him in the lineup. So it's been talked about moving Betts to second base, which he has played before. Um, that would be a really interesting storyline to watch. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, Fox has got to be happy. This is going to get the most ratings by far that they would have gotten. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting World Series. But now, into the final segment of the pod. The power rankings. Woo. So these power rankings are 100% accurate. If you disagree, you're wrong. Um, also, actually... I, I, as I'm on my phone right now looking at my notes of my power rankings, I put up a post on SQ Sports Instagram. If you don't follow, at SQ Sports. And I said, comment some questions. So, And I, I, I've had seen a couple questions come through as I've been doing the pod. That's why I kind of stopped in the middle a couple times. Um, so I'm going to answer those questions rapid fire after I do these power rankings. Power rankings. Number 10, the Detroit Lions. Lions start off the season 1-3. Bounce back nicely. Nice win over the Dolphins last week. I really do believe in Matt Stafford. They finally got a running game and carry on Johnson. Um, the offense is looking really good. One of the better offenses in the league. If they can, if their defense can hold teams to under twenty, under twenty-four, Lions are going to be very well off and they're going to win a lot of games this year. I had them at eleven and five, even though they currently sit at three and three and have won two in a row, I could easily see them picking up 11 or 10 or 11 wins this year. Number nine, we get the Washington Redskins. Big win coming off um, the bye. Oh, no, they're not coming off the bye. But big win over the Cowboys. Um, 
That defense ranks, statistically ranks, at the top of most categories, points per game, yards per game. They have big wins over the Panthers, over the Cowboys, and over the Packers. Um, Alex Smith is doing just enough, though I do think he can do more. I don't know if it's a product of not being with Andy Reid anymore, but he hasn't looked like he has in the previous couple of years. Number eight, I got the Chicago Bears. You might say, wow, you're putting in the Chicago Bears in your rankings even though they're coming off a loss? Um, yes, I am, because Matt Nagy is the real deal. This team's going to score points with the best of them. I truly do not – I do not – like, I'm not as high on Trubisky as, say, Pat Mahomes, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold even. But Trubisky is a serviceable quarterback, serviceable quarterback, especially with Nagy. They're going to do great things. Um, Trey Burton is shown himself as a real threat as tight, at tight end. And when this defense is healthy, Raekwon Smith, Khalil Macker make up the best linebacking duo in, in, in the league. So. Number seven, I got the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings started off pretty slow, and they had that, that embarrassing 27-6 loss against the Bills. Since then, they've been on fire. They had that Thursday night game against the Rams. It could have gone either way. They lost by a touchdown. They topped the Eagles in Philadelphia and beat the Cardinals and the Jets. They're coming up on a crucial part of their schedule where they take on the Saints, Lions, Bears, and Packers. These four teams in five weeks with a bye mixed in. Um, if they can come out with three wins here, it's going to be big, especially the games in the NFC North. This defense is still top-notch. And Kirk Cousins and the offense are really moving it. Latavius Murray is picking up the slack for Dalvin Cook when he's been out. He had a great game, two touchdowns last week against the Jets. So I got the uh, the Vikings at number seven. Number six, I got the Carolina Panthers. Wow, Cam Newton. If you haven't, do yourself a favor. Watch Cam Newton's when they're down 17-14. Honestly, watch the whole fourth quarter of Cam Newton. Play out of his mind. Down 17-14. to 14. Drive needing needing to get points on the board. He had a couple fourth down conversions, including a fourth and ten that kept that kept them in the game. Um, he's looked really good. I, I like Riverboat Ron has been managing Christian McCaffrey better. He's not giving him thirty two touches a game. That's how he's going to get hurt. McCaffrey getting more like twenty to twenty four touches a game, and he's making the most of them. He's averaging about one hundred twenty yards per game per, from scrimmage. And his defense is, is is big. I mean, Luke Keekley is playing out of his mind. Whenever Luke Keekley and Cam Newton both play good, the Panthers are going to win. That's what it comes down to. Number five, another NFC South team, the New Orleans Saints. They had a big, big win against the Ravens, a game they probably shouldn't have won um, on the road. Now they will travel to the Minnesota Vikings next week, where I do I do think the Vikings are going to give it to them by about 10 points or so. Um, you know, Sean Payton's team really doesn't travel that well. I'm saying this after, after coming off a win, but... <laughs> I, I like the Vikings in that one. However, I like the Saints overall. You got Mark Ingram back now, even though Kamara seems to really be the guy. Uh, Drew Brees is Drew Brees, and this defense is starting to find themselves. Uh, Lattimore in the secondary is starting to play a lot better after in the first couple weeks getting dusted early and often. So I got the Saints at number five. Number four on the power rankings, the Los Angeles Chargers. This team's the real deal. They should be 6-1. and one. Um, they really played the Chiefs hard. Their, their only two losses this season are against the Chiefs, against the Rams, who are arguably the two best teams in the league. They played them both really hard. Um, Phillip Rivers is playing some of the best football in his career. Melvin Gordon is a big issue because before this, um, we've, we've seen the Chargers pretty much dominate teams on offense. Couldn't really get it going. Um, so Melvin Gordon, if he's back healthy, then then I love this team. If he's not, eh, it's a little iffy. Uh, 
Philip Rivers finally ha- his options are finally um his receiving options are finally like good and making plays. So when you got that going for you, life's pretty good. The defense is not bad. They could use Joey Bosa, who who knows when that guy's coming back, dude. The whole Bosa family's whack. Even though they're freaking amazing at football. Like these guys are madmen. They're the I, I heard this somewhere earlier, so I'm stealing it from somewhere, but the Bosa kids are the type of dudes they like they'll steal your bike. Like like you, you riding down the street and, and, and the Bosa kids see and they're like, Hey, I want that bike. You get off the bike and, and you give it to them. Those guys are mean muggers and they get it done on the defensive end of the ball. That's all that can really be said about them. Number three, we've got the New England Patriots. After the one and two start, they've rattled off four wins. I mean, Brady's going to be Brady. This defense is finally coming into their own, and it doesn't really matter because the Patriots have been putting up buttloads of points uh, the past couple weeks. They've scored 38, 43, 38, 38 in their last four wins. Josh Gordon is finally getting implemented in the offense, and it's looked nice. Uh, the Gronk injury is something to watch, though, because if he's hurt for a while, that's going to be a big blow. Um, also, Sony Michelle, like I said, they play Buffalo next week and then hit the bye. I would rest Sony Michelle completely against Buffalo. You don't need him, and he has been a big proponent of that offense, component of that offense when he's been in there. And he's added a true running back that can get you five yards of carry. So, number two, we got the Kansas City Chiefs. Sit at six and one. Only loss coming to the Patriots on one play. There's, there's, I mean, what's set, what's been said about this Chiefs team is what I'm just gonna reiterate. Pat Mahomes, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a fluke. This team has weapons out the butthole with Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Eric Berry should be coming back sooner rather than later to help shore up that defense. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and made a move, maybe a low key move to pick up. A guy in the back end, not maybe a Patrick Peterson, but probably not. Maybe a little lower end to sure up that secondary because that's the only only thing they have a problem in. However, they do rank as one of the best third down defenses, so that bodes well for them. Finally, number one for every single week besides week one, the L.A. Rams. This team just continues to dominate. 39-10 drubbing of the 49ers. I mean, they can do it on both sides of the ball. We thought that their one weakness was edge rushing, and then they come in and record seven sacks against the 49ers. So um, it's going to be hard-pressed to stop these guys. Cooper Cup is on the shelf with a concussion. Should be back sooner rather than later. I just said that about someone else. But no, Cooper Cup, I think, will return uh, next week against the Packers. So um, the Rams and the Chiefs matchup on November 19th. Put that one on your calendars. That'll be a hell of a game. But you know, the Rams are undisputably uh, the best, the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. So before we wrap up, I'm gonna go look at these questions that we got submitted. Looks like th- three questions. All right, from Parker underscore Shanahan. What NFL teams are set up the worst for the future and why? Ooh, ooh. Okay, that's a, that's an interesting question. All right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna kind of off my tangent at the beginning. I think the Cowboys are, are aren't set up at least in the sh- at least in the short term to 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 be very competitive because what they're doing is they're just kind of throwing money everywhere 
and they're going to do the same with Dak. They're going to give him a lot of money just because Jerry Jones doesn't want to go through another QB to try to get his Super Bowl. They're going to think Dak is serviceable enough where Dak, Dak, Dak can get you 8 to eight to 10 wins. I know he got, got him 13 in the first year, but Dak's an 8 to 10 win a year quarterback. They're not going to be competing for Super Bowls. They're not, though they're not going to be one of the worst teams ever in the next coming years because a young defensive core, especially the front seven, very solid, led by Demarcus Lawrence. The Cowboys are in a precarious spot. So, um, someone else, I, 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 you, I mean, you could say the Raiders in the near future, like the next. I wouldn't be surprised if they move Derek Carr, and then even in like the next two to three years, they're going to be really bad. But they have those draft picks, so they're set up for kind of the long term ahead of that. Um, I think the Tennessee Titans are a really interesting spot. Marcus Mariota is coming up on the year where he's going to need a new deal. That's something where they got to they got to I, I I internally. Marietta has not been what they have expected. But like I said, he's almost like a Dak. He is serviceable. So do you turn away from a guy like that who's not going to like win you Super Bowls, but he's going to win you some games? That's tough. I think Tennessee's in a really precarious spot. Um, hmm. One other team. I'll throw out one other team. Got me on the spot. I would say it's got to be... Probably the Arizona Cardinals. I know they just drafted Josh Rosen. But David Johnson has been really injury prone. That offensive line is awful and the defense is awful. They have a lot of things to figure out. Now Patrick Peterson wants out. If they actually do get rid of him, if they do trade him, I think they should trade him. Um, Because if they don't, he's going to walk in a couple of years. And that's just a tough spot where they have to rebuild everything. And it and they started with the quarterback. So they're basically in year, year one of their rebuild. You got a good running back to go along with them. But David Johnson has been injured. And even when he has played, he hasn't been very productive this season. So I'd say the Cardinals. But yeah, off the top of my head, I'd, I'd say those teams are are kind of set up pretty sh- pretty shakily, honestly, for the future. Um, now we got at live for less. Live with three Vs. Who do you guys think is going to the Super Bowl this year? My Super Bowl prediction, I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to take them against the LA Rams. Um, I, think, I, think, I think it's hard to dispute the Rams. I can see the Vikings giving them you know, a run for their money just like they did on the Thursday night game in the playoffs. Uh, I think it depends on for the Saints in the NFC – if you take him away from home, they're going to struggle. So as long as the Rams can hold on to that number one seed, they should be fine. And then on the AFC, I, I mean, it could. Be, I think the AFC it's really down to the Chiefs, the which is weird to say through seven weeks, but the NFC is way. Why, all right, let me just stop myself. The NFC has clearly the number one team in the NFL, but you could tell me the Saints, you could tell me the Panthers, you could tell me the Vikings, you could tell me the you tell me the Lions, you can tell me those teams are going to the Super Bowl. The AFC, if you told me anyone but the Patriots, the Chiefs, or the Chargers, I wouldn't believe you. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers out of those bunch. they got the best defense uh, when Bosa comes back. I've, they're probably not going to win the AFC West just because the Chiefs run over teams like a freaking freight train. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers versus the Rams. And uh, give, me the, give, me, give me the Rams. I'll take the Rams winning that game. Uh, 
Shout out Philip Rivers of finally reaching a Super Bowl in this hypothetical. Two more questions. Alex, what a Alex Turner three two five. What are your thoughts on the two thousand eighteen Audi MLS Cup? Who do you see pulling through? <laughs> All right. Well, I do a quick Google search of the two thousand eighteen Audi MLS Cup. First off, I have been seeing a lot of Zlatan highlights. It seems like he's balling out, um, which is obviously good for the MLS. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, I can't say I really follow the MLS at all because you know it's not the best quality of soccer. But it looks like right here, uh, yeah, I I don't I don't really know. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna take. Uh, damn, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter who I take. I'm just shooting shit out of my butt. But I'll take the Galaxy because Zlatan is the man. Clearly the best. Oh, oh no! I'll take Atlanta. I'll take Atlanta. I've seen Atlanta play. They got two young guys who ball out. Two young, fast guys, strikers that are freaking raw. Um, let me look at the standings right now. See how Atlanta's doing. But. Yeah, Atlanta already clinched their number one in the East by eight points. Give me Atlanta. Atlanta taking the title home. Atlanta versus the Galaxy in the finals. Give me Atlanta all day. Um, finally, last question. Anthony underscore Bavaro. Is this 2018 Duke basketball team the real deal? Or is experience... Ooh, I like this question. Or is experience needed to fuel this talented roster? Okay. Call... For those of you who do not know, I'm a huge sports fan. College basketball could be my favorite sport. Like, one, ah, cannot wait. A couple weeks away, we're going to be back in full swing. And the question always is, everyone wants to know. You know, I, I saw, I've seen these freshmen on the house of highlights, dude. Like, they look good. Like, they're dunking left and right. Um, how are they actually going to play? Which is basically what Anthony underscore Bavaro just asked. So, Duke comes in, they're ranked fourth in the AP preseason poll. Um, like many know, they had that insane uh, recruiting class where they had, I believe, four of the top ten guys um, headlined by R.J. Barrett, uh, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish, and I believe Trey Jones. Th- those three guys were all top five guys. I believe Trey Jones, point guard, was like the ninth, maybe ninth guy in there. I'm not a believer in Zion, though I do think he's going to dominate in college. I don't think he has the potential to be a great pro player. He just He's just unpolished. But I do think this team has the chance to dominate um, in college. I think UVA is a better ACC team than them. Kyle Guy coming back uh, is, going to be, is going to be big. They have more experience in the backcourt. Like you said, Duke is going to be starting four freshmen. Coach K has done the one-and-done thing for a while now. But, I mean, it's different. When, when you have four freshmen who are arguably your four best players, and then probably Marquise Bolden is probably going to get to start next to him. He's a center, um, junior. And then you got Javon uh, Delorier and uh, Alex O'Connell. Alex O'Connell's my boy. Uh, and Jack White. That's going to be about their eight- to nine-man rotation. So it, it does it, – a lot of the, their production is going to hinder – it's going to fall on the freshman shoulders. Like I said, I think Zion – is going to provide those highlight plays that everyone likes to see. And I think he's going to be good and put up good numbers at Duke, though I don't think it'll translate to the NBA. Um, Cam Reddish. Many pe- People like RJ, RJ Barrett the best um, out of these three guys. They're 
who, if you don't know, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion Williamson are all six seven, six eight, um, swing like small forward, power forward guys. R.J. Barrett's the the purest scorer out of all of them, but I like Cam Reddish's game the best. Um, I think he's going to surprise some people. Um, he's a he's a he, he can he play back to the basket. He can play face up, and he runs the floor really well. Uh, which is one thing this team will be fun to watch is watch them run the floor. So, um, like they'll, they'll be outstanding to watch run the floor in transition, throwing lobs left and right. The one big thing that I think is going to plague them, and it has to do with their freshmen, is the point guard spot. We saw Trayvon Duvall, who for whatever reason, I mean, go get your bag, dude, but for whatever reason, decided to leave Duke after a year. Um, Of course, he didn't get drafted. Now he's in the G League somewhere, so whatever. Like I said, go get your bag. But that was their big struggle last year. It was, it was Trayvon Duvall had the talent, but he's a freshman point guard. He's playing in the gauntlet of the ACC. You got three games a week playing UVA, then UNC, then NC State. Like you're playing Pitt. Like you're playing these tough teams. A freshman point guard is going to make mistakes, specifically at the end of the game. That's going to cost you some games. And Trey Jones, like I said, who's like the ninth or tenth recruit in the nation. He's going to be their starting point guard. And you look at this roster. Who's coming in as the backup? They really don't have a backup point guard. It's going to be Jordan Goldwire. He's a sophomore. Uh, I, I haven't heard his name yet. He averaged six minutes last year. The other point guard on the roster is Mike Buckmeyer. Never heard of him. It's a 1.3 minutes a game. Yeah, it sounds like a walk-on. Mike Buckmeyer definitely sounds like a walk-on. So it's going to come down to Trey Jones. He's probably going to play 30 minutes a game. and He is talented. Very talented, but having a freshman point guard is not ideal at all, and it's going to cost you in late-game situations. Duke should be a top one, top two seed in the tournament because they're going to win a lot of games. Um, but they're going to have those head-scratching losses where you're going to be like, damn, Duke outplayed him and blew it at the end, or damn, Duke had 17 turnovers and lost this game. Uh, but though I do like, like, so like their team, what's the overall question? Are they the real deal? I would call them the real deal. Um, but I would put a little waiver around that. The ACC is going to be really good. Syracuse, Florida State, Virginia, UNC, Pitt, like I said, NC State. Um, even Virginia Tech is good. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough year for Duke. They're going to lose some games. They're going to win some big ones. But like I said, Trey Jones, watch him early, watch him often. Actually, Duke opens up the season against Kentucky November 2nd. All eyes are going to be on Zion. All eyes are going to be on R.J. Barrett. But the two guys I'm going to be watching, um, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones. Those are my X factors. Trey Jones can hold on to the ball, limit his turnovers, and get these guys open, these freaking mammoth of men who can put the ball in from all three levels, get them open, get them buckets. Duke should be fine. All right, well, there you have it. I spewed on for probably way too long. And if you made it this far then you're a champion, and like always, I love you. Follow SQ Sports on Twitter at SQ underscore sports, on Instagram at SQ Sports. Hit up the website, sqsports.wordpress.com. We may be upgrading to the paid word version so we can take that WordPress out, so it's just sqsports.com. But yeah, go read our content, post new content every day, dropping pods. We'll, we'll drop an NBA pod towards the end of the week, so dropping two pods a week. If you want to talk football with me, get on. I know it's probably annoying just listening to me talk to myself. Want to talk football, hit me up, get you on the pod. We'll talk about it. 
Uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. This is Shane from SQ Sports. Peace out. How do you feel about you know starting at the four or the concept of starting at the four or even coming off of the bench? And the second question is... Who, me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess that answers that part. I, I mean, I don't know where that started, where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pete, they said I got to come off the bench.